Coming back with segment number two with Coley and Kavanaugh talking about what went on in the market this week. And, of course, a lot of focus on Monday and the USDA report that's going to be coming out there. But uh, let's move on to some other things, David, because this week, one of the things that happened was the price of wheat exploded. And people go, what in the heck happened? Well, it turns out that uh, this uh, crazy little guy that's running Russia, he suggested that maybe we're thinking about withdrawing our support of that Black Sea corridor, getting some of this grain out of here. And all of a sudden, the market went kind of crazy, and the wheat prices just went through the roof, David. Yeah, because here's Putin's argument. He said the Ukraine grain is not going to humanitarian type of countries that need this very badly. It's going to the highest bidder. Well, why not? That's supply and demand. But he's trying to prove he's a humanitarian, that he really cares about people and their security. What a man wants to do. <laughs> but there were two major Ukrainian, very, very effective raids on the Russian points. I suspect since one was in the south and one was in the central part of eastern Ukraine, they want to get Crimea back. And you know, possibly they could enforce the Russians to lose that Black Sea port they have on Crimea. I don't know where this thing's going to end up. But boy, that was a huge wake-up call, especially after Putin's big speech about humanitarian side of this thing. Here's Ukraine coming back and saying, you might be a humanitarian, but you continue to attack us. Bottom line is there's still a lot of uncertainty there and a fluid situation. So uncertainty, the market just does not like that. John, one of the things that you mentioned when we were out at the Soil and Water Conference, talked a little bit about palm oil. It slipped lower this week. That affected soybean oil. Uh, but you also talked about crush. You know, it's one of those things It doesn't seem like either people don't understand what it means to the market or they're not following it, but uh, they certainly sat up and listened when you started talking about crush. Well, I'm going a lot of increase in crush capacity coming on stream. I have been very profitable the last several years. And of course, what always happens is if, if the market gets confidence that those margins are going to be maintained, well, suddenly you get you get more capacity because, you know, obviously you build more plants, you increase the capacity at existing plants. And I happened to see an interesting study done that in the past year, there have been announcements about increases in capacity at existing plants and building about five new soybean pressing plants that between now and 2026, crush capacity is going to be increased by 660 million bushels of soybeans, which is a huge increase. Yeah. And to put that in perspective, uh, that's about a 30% increase over existing crush capacity <laughs> Ooh, wow. we have today. And Jeez. what does that mean, folks? Well, you know, for the crusher, maybe not so good because his margins are probably going to narrow. But for the farmer, the producer, that means stronger demand, stronger basis, and better margins for the producer. And yeah. John, think about what ethanol did for corn. It doubled the value nationally for corn. What do you think a 30% increase in crush will do? And you know, we've been talking about good, strong demand for the last couple of years, David, and that is the still the primary driving force of this market. Yes, we've had some weather problems. We always do. But uh, the thing that's come in here that's been kind of impressive is that good, strong, consistent demand. On that note, David, one of the other things that happened that, uh, to John's point about demand man. I'm wondering if that was at least part of what drove Argentina, the government, to do a little gerrymandering to boost soybean sales and shake some product away from farmers this week. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I knew it had an effect. What they did is they changed the exchange rate for soybeans and soybean products. And by the way, check this out. 
They're the largest exporter in the world of soybean oil and soybean meal, and they're third largest exporter of soybeans. So they're a major player in the soybean market. So what they did was change the exchange rate to favor so that the farmers would get more money back for the beans they're selling for export. So it's gone up. It's almost tripled. Last week, it was around 600,000 tons. This week, it was up to 3.1 million metric tons of beans that the farmers sold. And by the way, they sold so much. They couldn't get it to the exports in time. So they started sending it to the crush plants and getting them to buy the beans. The farmers have moved a bunch of beans in a very short period of time. Wow. <laughs> yes, they certainly have. And let's go back to that September 30th report for a second when we're going to get the final carryover as of September the 1st. We talk about the, again, I think we could get some surprises on that. It may be time that we realize. So what's the best indicator of that? is the cash basis and the cat and I've, I've talked about soybeans for a minute dave will talk about corn but this cash soybean basis again it's it's just red hot on fire and uh, just to give you a couple of numbers uh sydney ohio is bidding is uh they're publishing i don't know what they're bidding it depends upon what you got but their published bid is at 70 over for your you go to new crop and it drops to 20 under right away a 90 cent difference frankfort indiana is up to 180 over I saw it being Mike Dennis. This is unreal. These numbers are fantastic. And that tells you supplies are extremely tight. Yes. And by the way, this, this uh, tightness in, in grain stocks is not limited to the United States. It's actually it's worldwide. But I'd just like to bring up an example as we saw some numbers come out from Stats Canada this week, which were kind of, I didn't realize how tight grain was in Canada. We're talking about barley, canola, flaxseed, oats, all wheat. Barley stocks in Canada currently, as of July 31st, 22, 500,000 tons. The five-year average is 1.2 million tons, less than half of the five-year average. Canola, only 875,000 tons, a third of the five-year average. Oats, 318,000 tons versus 600,000 tons, roughly half. And then we get into wheat, which is, of course, the bigger commodity there, 3.67 million tons. So wheat stocks in Canada are down 50% from the five-year average. All of these commodities are half or less of what the five-year average is. So they're very, very tight. We know also, of course, about the hot weather in Europe and how those crops have been damaged. Wheat's been damaged. Corn's been damaged. You name it, it's been damaged because of the heat. We are just simply looking at relatively very tight stocks worldwide. So why are we so nearsighted? And that's that's the big point I want to stress. And Rob, you made a very, very good point. Why aren't we dialing these things in that we see? Why is the market ignoring them? Remember what I've always said? Listen to what they're not saying. And I think people are trying to position themselves to get as much bought as cheaply as they can. I'm serious about this because I've seen it over the years. So what's going to happen that really changes this? And I think it's the harvest this fall when they start to realize what the corn actually, and I said realize, remember what I mean, they're gonna realize a smaller corn crop, the bean crop, that might be a little bit of friendly good news for them, but they're gonna have to hang their hat on whatever's left going around the world at some point, especially when we see the world ending stocks changing as much as they are, and with the weather problems we've seen, that's going to be the trend of the market, is that somebody comes in and finally shows them, look, this is what you thought it was gonna be, and this is what it really is. Listen to me, because if you don't, you're gonna pay for it. Okay, and speaking of weather, because that's going to factor in in a very big way, 
We just got the news this week, David, about La Nina, that uh, it's going to hang in there probably all the way through spring, and they're putting it at a 91% chance? Yeah, because everybody's saying, well, it won't last through the fall or just the early winter. It's not going to go into spring. But, you know, as deep as this water and as cold as this, and the whole West Coast of South America now has very cold water, it's going to be very difficult to dislodge this La Nina. And I feel very strongly that they're very accurate in this 91% chance of it lasting till spring and if it does that means a cool and wet spring here in the midwest and the hot and dry continues out west and this means dry weather in south america for next growing season correct yeah and i did get some drought maps thank goodness that showed argentina still dry now the two best areas of brazil rio grande do sul and mato grosso which have been dry last year are better this year but the nose of brazil bahia and all these other areas there they're definitely showing up very very dry so we'll just have to see how that figures as we go through here especially since they're beginning planting right now all right it is the time of the program when we uh just step back let him go because John Cavanaugh has always got to have the last word. So instead of arguing with him about it, we just give it to him. The only way to handle it, just, <laughs> just let me say my piece. The uh, soybean ratio, soybean to corn ratio, has declined now to 2.08, just a hair on 2.1, which is unusually narrow. That's the average of an even amount. is about 2.4, and it's down to 2.1. That's favoring planting corn over soybeans. But then again, right now, corn seems to be a little bit more of a, have bullish fundamentals than the soybeans do, although they both have bullish fundamentals. And we saw it get down this low once before, then it widened back. Back out, but I thought it would get to at least 2.1, which it has, and thought it could probably test 2.0, and maybe I'm not saying it's going to, but maybe test 1.9. Today, I think it will test 1.9. Here's the last word. Cody and Kavanaugh brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau. And, you know, Indiana Farm Bureau President Randy Crone has talked a lot about the Farm Bureau's lobbying efforts for farm families on the state as well as the national level. So the Farm Bill is a big deal for the Farm Bureau. And so is a Farm Bureau membership because it starts right here in your own home county. My membership is through the Allen County Farm Bureau. Support your local Farm Bureau with a membership. Simply go online to itpaystobeamember.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.